Candyman. 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 Welcome, everybody, to episode number two for the Real Thrills podcast with Jay. Hello, everybody, and my friend, Eric. How are you today? Fantastic. Awesome. Happy we're, to be here. Yeah, we're here on a lovely Sunday evening, getting ready for the work week ahead of us. So we thought, hey, let's drop a pod, right? We we, we did a sp- little, little tickler out there for everybody in the middle of the week, if you follow our Instagram page. We tickled. Yeah, so that uh, we're doing Candyman today, obviously, from the intro. Uh, we've, Candyman we've, it is. We, we've gone and done it, so he just unlocked Candyman for us, so he's, he might be present in our, in our episode, so everyone, listen up, listen for some Candyman in the background, you never know. Honestly, at this point, with the, the heat right now, I'd be happy for him to be breathing on the back of my neck. <laughs> cool me down a little bit. I, I, could, t- I, could, t- I could take a, a hook from the groin to the gullet any day. <laughs> Put me out of my mi- misery. But, uh, I mean, here we are. As, as always, we're going to start with some uh, movie notes, right? We're going to start with, the obviously, the title we already said, but the director, synopsis. We'll go all through that with Eric. And then uh, we're going to jump into our segments. Same segments as always, so you can play along. So, Eric, take it us away. What, what is Candyman all about? So, Candyman, um, we'll, well, let's talk about when it was made. That'll help, right? Yes. So, let's the paint year- a picture. Yep. The year's 1992. How right. old were you? Um, For all those listeners, we're now you're going to add, add all this up. Uh, six. Six. <laughs> okay, so I was 10. So I, I, didn't actually, I didn't actually see it at that age. It was much later in life that I got to see it, maybe sure. the late 90s. Uh, and it, just a quick snippet here. I spoke to my brother today, big horror movie fanatic, listens to the show very happy to have him. Thank you, Joey. Uh, there was a moment in time in the mid '90s. My brother watched it. He's four years older, mm-hmm. and he it scared him. Yeah. So he's fourteen, fifteen at the time. So once I heard that, my older brother got scared. Sorry for throwing you under the bus, but you told me this today, <laughs> and I'm, I'm putting it on the pod. I stayed away from it. Because yeah. <laughs> he introduced me to like movies of Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, right. uh, all the classics, ha- ha- Halloween, all that. He introduced that to me. But he said, no, you can't watch this one. So it was always one of those movies that I was like, man, I, the day that I do get to see it, uh, and, and, and it was many years later, and it was just phenomenal. So anyway, sorry. No, no, that's great. That's good. That's good context because this is a scary movie. Um, the genre is horror. We could even call it a slash thriller, I think, and a sub genre of urban legend folklore. Like, there's Agreed. a whole nother, which is a very great category that we could always go into as the shows go on. And uh, director, we have Bernard Rose. Yep, we're doing a brief summary, right? Yeah. All right. I don't. I don't have a great one. Um, but this is what I wrote. A grad student in Chicago doing her thesis on urban legends comes across a terrifying reality. That's it. That's it. Well, I don't want to give away too much. <laughs> it's it's okay. It's okay. Like we, we mentioned right before the show started. I mean, spoilers beware. This is fine. You know, it's it's a movie from 1992. But the synopsis of what you just said, it, it hits. It, it gets it all right there. So if you say, if you just said those two sentences. I'm intrigued, right? So that that's the point. So what what other about Candyman and the folklore of maybe his history? Yeah, so who is Candyman? So the story that you learn in the movie is that back in 1890, um, you know, Candyman was the uh, son of a former slave who invented a device that mass-produced shoes for the Civil War and became very wealthy because of this. So so 
Candyman, aka Daniel, I believe was Ooh. his real name. And they they did. Hey, did you do more research on this? Because that was not in episode one. That came out in episode the second Candyman of what his name really was. Fair enough. I think that it came up somewhere, and maybe they were. <laughs> Uh, no, because I, I, I don't I, remember I, hearing it in the movie. You're you're correct, but we're gonna. They we're always refer to him as Candyman. So yes. you 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 humanized him, which you are with the story. Yeah, he is a that that's the point, I guess. I, I'm glad you picked up on the name because I, for all you who are gonna go watch the movie, I don't. If it comes out, let us know. I mean, you yeah. might you might have said it, that it did come out. I must have missed it, but I know in the second one, the movie that followed it, the, it, it yep. they definitely referred to him as Daniel. Yep. So Daniel, he he grows up much different from his father. He goes to good schools, um, and he becomes a very prominent artist. And he is desirable among the wealthy community, and they are um, commissioning him to paint portraits of them because he does a great job at sort of like portraying their high society and their their wealth um, in his in his uh, paintings. So he gets commissioned by this wealthy landowner and the landowner wants him to paint um, his virginal beauty of a daughter. <laughs> and so what does Candyman do? Well, he paints, he paints a picture of her, then he knocks her up. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time prego here. Yep. And so this landowner is furious super pissed he's pissed so he pays a bunch of what they're calling brutal hooligans lynch mob lynch mob and they take daniel they sever his right hand completely off his painting hand his painting hand they strip him naked they bring him to an apiary and they are rubbing honey comb all over his body, and bees angrily attack him. Yeah, side note, for all you listeners out there that are extremely allergic or scared of bees, uh, disclaimer, you're, you're, this is, this is gonna fuck you guys up, man. Oh, big time. <laughs> so, there big is a, th- there's a word for that, uh, the fear of bees. I don't know it, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I don't know why I brought it up, because I don't even know the word, but it's like, it's kind of like mesophilioma, but filioma, but it's not, it's like, very close to that, sorry. I don't know if you can call Martin Harding and Mazzotti for a bee sting, but if you, if they're listening, I um, just want to say, throw it in with a mesothelioma case. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just saying. It was very similar to that, that's why it keeps triggering in my mind, sorry. So, he's brutally stung to death by bees, and they decide to then go take him over to what will later become Cabrini Green and they burn him alive or they he's not alive anymore but they burn him to death or no he's not well he <laughs> they gets burn stung him. to death and then they stung burn, death, and him, they burn and him and then they spread the ashes they spread the ashes all, all over, over the land where yep. Cabrini Green will then and that's located in built. Chicago Chicago for all, for, you know so that we know where the story is really centrally located and so the, the legend is that he's there basically yeah, it's, kind of, it, it's the whole uh, a- ancient burial ground trope, right? It's the uh, poltergeist, uh, you know, pl- paying homage to that is, is kind of what this movie also has. You'll, you'll get to see that as the movie really unfolds and as we talk. There's a lot of homages of urban legends, folklore, um, uh, redlining. Uh, there's a lot of racial things happening in this movie, which yeah. we don't necessarily have to get into, but they're there, and it's actually a pretty powerful movie in that in that manner, I think. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think it's, um, in terms of the genre, I think it's the first or maybe even yeah. the only where they portray um, a, a person of color in the killer spot in the as, serial as power. killer. As, yeah. he, there's, a, there's a power there. Uh, and and a, a debonair, He's 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 from high class, high society. Uh, bad things happened, and as we know in history, that 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 was a thing. Um, but he was just well educated, and you could see that as the movie goes. Yep. When you hear Candyman, played by Tony Todd, speak, blows your mind. I mean, like it's it's like the Black Dracula. Yeah. Right. He is able to 
wordsmith his way into women's hearts and and as you could see from the story from 1890 and how he how he uh, met his, his his death uh you know he's just a suave suave motherfucker so yeah and <laughs> easy, easy way to put it you know and obviously this came from a, a tremendous amount of of racial tension there was no reason for them to to oh, to, yeah. to kill Candyman. i mean he was a you know, hundred percent. Yeah, it, 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 you know. So I think, I think that's what's interesting about this movie is that they take this, again, like this racial injustice from 1890, and they put it in modern day 90s, where we are in what was built as this like, you know, terrible project in Chicago, stricken with poverty, stricken with gang violence, with drugs, and they're sort of bringing this additional contrast to to the film. Um, that I think um, gives it that grittiness, that extra level of reality to this folklore and to this urban legend. Yeah, 100%. And so how do you summon Candyman, right? So, you know, he, he you don't fall asleep when he shows up in your dreams. You don't go to Crystal Lake for a little uh, soiree. Get away. Yeah. Um, Get away with, with high school friends. <laughs> so, so how are we summoning Candyman, right? Um, so the legend is that you say his name, five times into a mirror and then when you turn the lights off or maybe you don't turn the lights off because it happens both ways um he will appear behind your breathing on your neck and he will kill you with a hook that he fashioned from his sawed off right hand um you can see like screws and nails and stuff sticking out of it he like really got this thing in there but yeah i think the term they use is um let me find it real quick um, he will split you from groin to gullet. Now I wazed groin to gullet. It's a pretty long distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in the movie, it happens a few times and you're just like, how long is this going to go on? And guess what? He, he gets through it <laughs> in a couple deaths. So, all right. So now we know the backstory of Candyman. Let's talk about the movie. Well, before, let me interject one little thing, Please. a little tidbit that I found out as uh, doing doing a little research, but one did here, is that, so Clive Barker wrote the story Forbidden, which is a pretty much an adaptation of this folk- folklore. Yep. And what he did was he, as far as like a man with a hook, kind of <laughs> can get summoned, right? Um but in Chicago, there was actually a real story in the paper yeah. about a woman in a project that was killed, and she claimed that people came through the walls. Yep. And this actually happened. So yep. go ahead and do your research, 80s, 90s, or whatever. 1987, uh, Ruthie Mae McCoy. There you go. Look it up. So that happened, and that's where Clive kind of put two and two together, and Candyman was born. And. Th- and, and unfortunate for that situation in Chicago, yep. but uh, it really made out for uh, one one hell of a ride in a movie theater. Uh, so let's let's uh, fasten the seatbelts. Let's get into our segments. I think we're we gone through the history enough, the backstory of the, of, of everything. So you're kind of brought up to snuff. Um, so let's go right into the segments, which is always one of my favorites, and it's it's the opening scene. So that's our first question. That's our first segment. Eric, what what do you think? You can go anywhere. It could be the, uh, um, I know where I'm going, but you, I'll, I'll let you go. I'm going credits. Um, so you can go there, and we can talk about it, or you can jump into that opening scene when she starts uh, interviewing that uh, the kids at the college. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's a lot that happens in sort of what I consider the opening scene, and it kind of covers the credits, and it covers right into when you first see. Hell, let's talk about it. the first yeah. five minutes, man. Oh, let's it's just beautiful. <laughs> it's it it is it's it's poetic. So, um, go for it. Like the first five minutes, really get into the credits. Yep. How it's shot. Yeah. The voiceover of Candyman, the bees. Yep. And then it goes right into the folklore, right away. Yeah, so the the opening shot is the um, so we've got this overhead like almost a helicopter kind of view. I don't know what, what you really call that shot, but it's an overhead view. It's the first ever used sky cam. Yeah, like an aerial like, view. A helicopter, you'd have had the shaking. Like yep. this was steady movement. Very steady. Uh, if you think of a recent, not recent, but a movie, Zodiac yep. had very similar um, shots. Yeah. So you're you're looking at. 
bird's eye view of downtown Chicago and yep. just following a highway and cars driving. Yep, you see the little, you know, you kind of see some um, some buildings that go over the off ramps. You see side streets. You see a little bit of the cityscape. Um, talk about the music, Eric. I, 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 okay, so the music. Let's go right here's, into here's that. the most interesting thing, and we'll talk about why it's interesting later on when we do yeah. the soundtrack portion. But the music, it starts out and it's like these kind of haunting. It's like a haunting choir almost. Yeah, and. It kind of comes off as castle music, like yeah, to me. Organ, or, or an yeah. organ is being played. It's organ focused. It's got this, um, this melody that reminds me of like Edward Scissorhands. Like it's almost whimsical okay, in a way, but yeah, it's in a great. dark way. Like it's it's very, it's melodic, Super but it's dark. dark. You you know you're get you're getting into it right now. Like it's it's it, it starts the music it gets creepy right from this right from jump. Yeah, and it just it again to me it just it's like it's like it's it's like Dracula music. It's like Mario's castle. Like it just has this castle vibe to it in yeah, a way, like Phantom of the Opera. Yes, definitely. Uh, or 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 some or some, yeah, something of that nature. <laughs> yeah, any like um, musical nerds, please uh, comment and tell us what that's called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so the, so music and these shots and then the credits are kind of like zipping in from different locations on the screen. It's not just your standard fade in. It's like you got one coming from the right, one coming from the left. They cross over each other um, of, you know, all the all the credits. All the, yep, the names, yep. Um, and then it kind of fades out, right, to like a, a, a cityscape of Chicago. And then you start to see this perfectly blue sky become overtaken with bees swarm of bees swarm yeah of bees like taking over chicago completely yeah. and, and then in in that moment you also hear can't even speak for the right away for the first time yeah, four i think it's four minutes in you start to hear and um so you first hear candy man speak and he's talking about um that they say that he's shed the blood of the innocent yep and so he retorts, <laughs> what's blood if not for shedding? Yeah. And it was like a Tina Turner moment. Like, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> what's blood <laughs> if it's not for <laughs> shedding? <laughs> and, 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 and as the movie goes on, and like I said, we kind of already referred to like Phantom of the Opera. It, it's very Shakespearean in the way because he's from 1890. He is of the higher cl- of a upper class. He was educated, and the way that he speaks, the words that he uses, it's all eloquent. It's all poetic. They have a Shakespeare quote in the movie. They yeah. regularly use "sweets for the sweet." Cor- right. It's like graffitied everywhere, and they're constantly using this. Um, yeah. No. And and, so. and 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 you can see it. And and as you, as you, as we, you know, unfold the story. I think as we go along in this pod, but uh, also with Helen. Who's the main yep. actress played by Virginia Madsen? Virginia Madsen, uh, phenomenal job, oh, and um, her husband, boyfriend, Trevor, Trevor. Trevor. Oh, I, I, you already I, know when I say Trevor. Yeah, geez. sorry if there's any Trevors listening, but <laughs> Trevor is like the douchiest name. Like it's just. <laughs> but you can just see how there was like so many elements of this like Shakespearean thing happening. Like it's it's, it's, yep. it's so. Uh, just a little note in there for you people when you're watching. You're like, think of that. Think of those how those stories go with like one's chasing one, yep. doesn't know what they have. Oh man, it's just it, it's a it, it's it's a weird twist of uh, that. And in- so, yeah, and so after Candyman says his line of "What's blood if not for yep. shedding?" He also says, "I came for you." And then it goes right to Virginia Madsen, like close up of her face. And so it's like a little bit of foreshadowing there. It's like kind of clips right in from Candyman's voice. You don't know what's going on yet in the movie if you haven't seen it. And then it goes right into Virginia Madsen and she's sitting there and she is in a yeah, classroom. Yeah, some classroom setting, interviewing students about this Candyman folklore. Um, I don't... Well, she's asking, I think, about urban legends specifically. That's what her... And, her thesis is yeah, about. Yeah, and this one girl just starts talking about. Starts telling about the story of the Candyman. Yeah, it goes right into the first story, and and I don't know how many minutes in. I mean, we're seven minutes in, and we already got our you know first death. Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, a girl telling a story about Candyman. Uh, we don't have to get all the way into that, but uh, yeah, you essentially, know, they, it's a it's like a babysitter who who. Oh yeah, just you the know, whole this, ba- babysitter trope, right? Perfect. The, that urban legend, and then you intertwine Candyman, and boom, she gets uh, she gets the hook. 
from and, uh, growing to gullet. And what's interesting is that they like they pinned her in a different area, like a like a really like suburby area, you know. So like, yeah, I had it written down, uh, Moses Lake, Indiana. Yeah, and what's what's interesting about it is that like when we get a little bit further into the movie, you start to hear that like that's how these urban legends or folklore are yeah. spread is that they they they're told a different way in a different town and you know like everywhere's got this same yeah, kind like of legend and the, so the telephone game right yeah and so it's already <laughs> kind of showing like how this legend is already spread so far and that it's it's you know it's it's pretty well known but somehow um you know Virginia Madsen and her friend Bernadette they have not heard of this story and this is their first their first time yeah, so I mean, like I've we have already jumped off the, you know, before the segment even began. I mean, the opening scene to me, I I love the sky cam. It's great. I love the music. I love the voiceover, and then like you said, the foreshadowing right to Helen. I mean, it was it was just like, all right, we're we're rocking and rolling, and, and you know, here she is, you know, wanting to learn more about urban legends, and I'm a sucker for urban urban legends. I yeah. mean, if you're a horror movie fanatic. Uh, you were around camp stories, telling them and all that stuff. And and the funny thing is, Candyman reminded me of an urban legend that I had on my own when I lived in California in the eighties, the late eighties. It was called Bloody Mary. Yep, it wasn't Candyman. So four years later, the, the Forbidden and Clive, and then he and, and then he makes it Candyman. So. I don't know for any of you listeners if you can dial back that far and be like, yeah, Bloody Mary. I remember that game at sleepovers, going into a bathroom and looking in a mirror and saying, her, I don't know, three, four times, whatever it was. But Candyman was kind of the the new the new um, homage to that. So that's that's why I love the urban legends. It's like this is a this is a version where it was the uh, a man. Instead. Yeah, it's the game. It's the it's the game of telephone. Yeah. with urban legends. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so right, any more on uh, the opening scene? No, I mean I think that pretty much wraps up what, what we what we start out with. It's um, it's awesome. So what, when 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 you're sitting down, you got the popcorn, you got your beer ready, or whatever you're drinking, your your beverage of choice. And, and as soon as the uh, organ starts. And you start seeing the sky cam. It's great. It's just you know, cinematic. You know, cinematically. I, I just like this is great. This is what I I nerd out on that crap. So I love that. So uh, let's go segment number two, the drop. This is when shit gets real, Eric. When does shit get real for you? All right. So I'm taking this very literally, and it's probably not what you're thinking. So when shit gets real is literally that when shit gets real because. What happens is as they're digging into this Candyman urban legend and they hear the story, um, they soon find out when they're at the school that one of the um, janitors yes. comes in and she's saying, no, no, this isn't, you're talking about Candyman. No, this isn't fake. That's real. Yeah. And so, you know, Helen's like, well, what do you mean? It's like my friend, no, you know, um, this woman, um, and I think they used a very similar name. They used... Um, a, a, it was still a Ruthie, um, Ruthie Jean Ruthie is what Jean, they call her yeah. in the movie. Um, you know, this woman, Ruthie Jean, um, was killed by someone coming through um, her walls or her in, yeah. and through her bathroom and, and murdered her. And so, like, it's in the papers. Like, it was it was everywhere. And, it's, it's a known thing. Yep. Came through the walls. And she was killed with a hook. Um, and so... Immediately, you go from this folklore of Candyman to reality. This happened. Yes. She goes to the library and she's researching, and sure enough, this really happened to Ruthie Jean in Cabrini Green projects. And this is the real deal. This is no longer folklore. We've now moved into reality. Yeah, and there was a moment like, yeah, it's right in Cabrini Green. Like I could take it. You know, like you can go down there. You know, it, it made it real, right? So. No, that 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 is a good one. I'm glad you picked that one. Uh, obviously, I'm gonna go with the drop as being uh, when you know Billy goes over to the girl's house, the babysitter, oh, yep. and sh they're they're in the bathroom. They're going through the whole thing. Um, you know, she says it. They oh no, he actually says it four times. And then she was like, "Oh wow, we've never got past four. Never got past four. And she's like, "All right." He he leaves, goes downstairs, enjoys himself a beverage. On the couch, and she stays in the room. She says it one more time, and clicks off the light, and boom, C 
cuts back down to Billy and blood pouring through the ceiling. So I'm like, All right, we're off. Like, oh, yeah. that, it, you know, that's that's even the first kill that is within the first seven minutes. And that is after uh, Candyman speaks. It, it's just one of those, holy crap, we're getting right into this. Like, this is this is good, you know, for all the horror movie junkies out there. Like, you're, you're getting right into it. But I agree with yours. That's when it went from folklore to reality. Different drop. Yeah, but, but it, yeah, but I think as a movie, like you get, you're scared at that scene. Yeah. They're telling the story slowly, and it's it's um, Billy and the and his high school, not even girlfriend. She's cheating yeah. on her boyfriend. Yeah. Even more scary. Even more urban legends, <laughs> like babysitter cheating. Like, don't do th- bad things. Bad things will happen. Bad things will happen. People. Um. So no, excellent, excellent, uh, excellent picks there. Um, let's move the, to the third segment, favorite death scene. Now this, this will be easy, I think, cause I, we might have the same one. I don't know, but, uh, wh- wh- what did you think? What was your favorite death scene and why? There's not a lot. Is no, the thing. It's, it's, there's not a lot of death. I mean, you see the, there's, there's dead people, but in terms of a death scene, you see a very small amount of them. So I'm going to um, the one hour and 11 minute point. Whoa. Okay. Where she, and we're kind of fast forwarding ahead, but basically um, Helen ends up in an insane asylum. Okay. Or Dr. a mental Burke? hospital. Is this Dr. Burke scene? Yep. And awesome. uh, Dr. Burke is now assisting in her defense because some shit happened where... Um, can't it's like it's kind of it's hard because we're going way ahead but yeah Candyman hypnotizes her she wakes up and she has a meat pool full of blood blood. this is the second time in the movie that this happened she's already been arrested now she's going to an insane an insane asylum and her friend bernadette gets killed in between but they believe that she had something to do with it so she's in the insane asylum and she wakes up and she finds out that she's been basically under for about a month that they've been giving her Thorazine or something. her with drugs. And uh, so she finally comes to and the doctor's in there and he doesn't believe her. He's saying he's going to help assist in her defense and she says, I can prove it. So she turns to her left and by golly, there's a mirror there. A mirror, yeah. So she says Candyman five times and all is quiet. The doctor gives this look of disbelief and all of a sudden blood just spits out of his mouth and Candyman comes up from behind him and just rips him open with his hook and uh, Dr. Burke is no more. No. No. Great scene and it it was very pivotal at a point where you're starting to see some of the lust, some of the desire, some of what Candyman's trying to save her. Get her out to come to her. uh, To allure allure her. Um, And then then my favorite... uh, Early '90s special effects trope was uh, like a bat getting sucked out of the window, and he just disappears, and for a good purpose, because now she can sneak out of the window and, and get yeah, out he, of the hospital. He, so. he, he undoes her restraints with his hook. Yep. So she's able to freely go away. She runs down the hall. She uh, knocks on a window. A nurse lets her in. She knocks the nurse out, steals her clothes, and then escapes out of the hospital. Yeah. So, uh, with my favorite death scene, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're going to agree, Trevor. And, it, and it's, the, it's the last one. It's the last death. And he, he needed it. He needed it way before. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he is the worst uh, husband uh, on record. <laughs> yeah, Xander Berkeley, who plays Trevor, Trevor Lyle, and uh, he is good at playing an asshole and everything he's done pretty much. <laughs> you know, I can remember him from, uh, he was in 24, the show, which I quite okay. enjoy with Kiefer Sutherland. And he, he's in that show and he's a dick like the entire time. So he All just right. does a good job at playing that, <laughs> that role. Yeah, and some of the backstory there is that uh, he is a professor. Yep. He is involved with a student behind Helen's back. Um, but she suspects it. Oh, she yeah. knows something's going on. And, and, and he's a complete douche, like totally the whole time. But he also walks in on Helen in a couple situations with meat cleaver, or at least the one in his the kitchen knife, with the butcher yeah. knife. 
so he pretty much abandons her, and and that's something that uh, Candyman addressed. Like you're yep. going to be abandoned, and I'm only going to be the one left for you. Yep. And there was the powerful scene when uh, Helen uh, walks in on Trevor and the student uh, painting on the wall, and she's like, "You're all I had." Right, because she's been in the hospital. She escaped. She has nowhere to go. Um, now she's so this is this is a unique thing in horror movies, uh, or even cult movies or whatever. Um, she's alone. Yep, she has nobody, and people and and police are looking for her. Psych wards looking for her. She's she's pretty much has no outs here. She's done. And Trevor, you're. <laughs> you're just a you know i mean helen's got her own path but you you didn't help (laughs) you know you you, so how he went was uh pretty much summoning her yeah and i know again we're getting ahead of it but uh she she dies eventually and becomes becomes her own urban legend her yeah her her that the next candy man of some sort yep and he, here he is in a bathroom going through the same scenario of Candyman, but saying helen instead and flicks off the lights and guess who shows up helen with a hook and see you later trevor trevor so, it's over for you yeah so you'll see as you go through that movie when you rewatch this everybody i hope you do uh, or you're going to agree with us, say, yeah, Trevor was a complete douche, or you're going to want to watch and see for yourself. You'll see that he's a complete and utter asshole. So we'll end that segment there. We'll we'll jump to number four. Well, that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so many scenes, but where, where do you want to go with this? I mean... I've got a lot of notes, and so, like... <laughs> I mean, I can get into the detail of them, but I think the notes are probably, um, they're sort of like, they're not like, hey, the plot didn't make sense. It's just things in the movie that you're like, mm, probably wasn't a good idea, and you you learn sure, a little bit more that, from there. That's a good way to take it. So I'm gonna go with um, with number one is um, going to the projects dressed like cops. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was dumb. Yes, <laughs> not a good idea. Um, then when you get inside said projects. Um, using uh, flash photography to take pictures of graffiti outside of people's doors. <laughs> well, that was dumb. <laughs> um, not that this is dumb, but I thought it was interesting, um, and I think it may have preceded the whole um, Lorena Bobbitt story, but um, oh, yeah. Jake, the little boy Jake is telling a story of this kid who um, was in a bathroom and Candyman essentially... Um, uh, dismembered him. Dismembered him. <laughs> his unit. Um, <laughs> d- took his unit right off, and they found it floating in the toilet. And he says, um, "He says can't fix that. Better off dead." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I just thought, you just Jake, like, you- Jake, they can they can reattach that. We've learned that. So, <laughs> not better off dead. And Jake, let's let's for you know for for the listeners. Because I I don't have a much in here, like so this is a boy that was in the projects really helped Helen kind of navigate her way through the Cabrini Green, uh, became a source of information. Yep. Jake stole the movie, man. I mean, this 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 kid was uh, all the way in it. You know, he, he comes in firing on all cylinders. And you know what? He has the last laugh at the end as well. So he I mean, he, he he is he is pivotal in this movie. And and it, it would, and the first time I saw it, I would never remember that. Yeah. And then seeing it on Friday night, I'm just like, this guy, this guy, that guy just stole the movie, man. Funny fun fact is that I can't remember the name of the actor who played Jake, but they called him One Take Jake because he just went in ready to roll with his lines and nailed it on the first try every time. <laughs> Now, was he an ac- actual actor, or was he an actual person from Cabrini Green? I believe he was an actor. I think they, o- okay. I think only extras were from okay. Cabrini Green, which is a fun fact. Yeah, I mean, because so, Cabrini Green, re- real place, um, you know, re- like real project in Chicago. So go ahead and look at it on the map. Yeah, Dane, oh, it's not there anymore. Yeah, they yeah, they it's tore gone it now. They tore it down, but um, known for tons of gang violence. It was run by gangs, um, lots of drugs, again, violence in general. And so, 
when Bernard Rose made the the conscious decision to do the filming at Cabrini Green, um, everyone was kind of like, you know, a little bit like unsure about that. But he's like, no, it's 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 pivotal to the success of this movie that we need to shoot it here. It needs to be here. And so I think they made a deal with some of the gang members there, to like allow them to do their filming, like, you know, unbothered as long as they would use some of the folks from the projects and from the gangs maybe as extras in the movie. And I think it helps. I mean, in a manner of just trying to keep that cultural aspect of that feel. Yeah. Like not detaching or or having this outside influence come in and depict it all wrong. Which which in some areas they were at fault for for sure. Right. I don't know this for a fact, but there was some overacting in some scenes that you know, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll see. And it's a horror movie. So guess what? There's overacting all the time. But it's pretty pretty evident. But the fact that he did that was uh, pretty interesting. Fun fact. You know, yeah, and some, it, of those, some of those extras are actual game members from Cabrini Green. And I, and I think what's what I like about that piece of it, though, is that, like, I think if you live there, you're thinking, like, okay, there are a bunch of people coming here to, like, film a movie like to you know exploit us or whatever yeah, right. and like you know they're they're like they're filming us like thing how much of a shithole we are or whatever it might be because this is where they're doing the horror movie and so like i think by them like incorporating the people that live there and showing that it's a real place and there's real danger but also like hey there's real people that live here there's still yeah. there's still a community um kind of took that element of like kind of what you see from helen which is like helen goes in there fearless you know, she's some you know white professor's wife that like decides to stroll in there like it's a like it's a fucking vacation, or she's right. going to LL Bean, and so like I think it like <laughs> it does a good job at sort of like at like making it intense enough that like you don't you don't have that same courage that Helen does going there that you're like a little yeah. bit more hesitant. You're like, whoa, would I do that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 that was dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like you said. Any 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 more? Uh... I've got situations. a few more. Yeah, yes. go for it. Unfortunately. Um, nah, it's a horror movie. That's why I love this segment. You could go on in um, many different paths. Um, I thought it was kind of dumb that they were paying so much for um, their condo that was basically built the same exact way as a building right down the street. Yeah. It was also a project. They just threw some plaster up on the walls, but um, otherwise, same layout, same footprint. And she was hesitant to say how much they were spending on this place. Um, so it kind of shows yeah. this like gentrification piece of it. So yeah. that's kind of dumb. <laughs> um, I think uh, Helen constantly overlooking what she knows is uh, infidelity and still sticking with Trevor. Yeah, that was dumb. Kind of a dumb move. Yeah. Um, in your Batman scene where uh, Candyman is pulled out of the window, yeah, um, you see a rope. <laughs> you no. pretty much see a rope coming. Oh yeah, that's right. It I looks like I've it might be this. part of the window, like pane, but it's definitely some sort of rope. So I'm like, all right. I mean, I get it. They're on a they're not on a huge budget here, no. but um, I saw the rope, so that was kind of dumb. <laughs> um, and then the last thing I would say is um, kind of pivotal to the story is that when Helen wakes up in um the apartment and she's in the pool of blood and she's got the cleaver next to her and she picks up the cleaver because she's scared doesn't know what's going on in the next room she hears this woman screaming for her child that's missing she opens the door they've got a severed dog head there and you know the woman is instantly going okay you you kidnapped my baby and marie and marie you kidnapped my baby like you sick fuck so when she goes to the police station, the police are telling her what happened. They're giving the breakdown saying, um, Anne-Marie came home from work um, around 1030 and she found you in there with a meat cleaver and then you attacked her with a meat cleaver, which we found in your hands after and basically kidnapped her baby. But Which, which all from who, our... Well, but the dumb part from is... One angle, from her angle, that did happen. Yes, for sure. But, the but dumb, from our angle, that's not what happened. But the dumb part is, who is babysitting the baby? <laughs> the dog. Right? There's no one there because they didn't say, like, she. you attacked the baby. They didn't find another dead body in there. So really, like, she comes back from work, the baby's gone, the dog's dead, and, and Helen's there. Who was watching the baby? Yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about that, but... That was dumb. I don't know why it resonated with me, but I'm like, who was watching this goddamn baby? 
<laughs> not not the. I, I think Anne Marie Anne Marie like did a did a a, a five call on a Candyman in the mirror and said, "I'll see you in five hours. I'm going to work." Yeah. <laughs> can you watch? Can, can you watch, watch my baby? <laughs> yeah. So my well, that was dumb. Gosh, it, 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 I'm I'm just choosing Bernadette for opening the door because uh, I think even Helen was like trying to warn her not to. Yep. Like pretty adamantly yelling at her and she's still just like so ho humly knock at the door he's here yeah and just opens it up and and she she get like oh she got it she got it and then you that's the only scene that you get to see the after effects too of yeah you don't get to see it in you no visual on screen during this murder but um but you get to see the body when the cops showed up and it's pretty horrific yeah it's pretty bad so Bernadette. Her face is very blue. Yeah. Like, they, like, did a, a strange pay- thing of yeah. making her face very blue in that, and I don't know what the purpose was, but it, like, stood out to me. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Her face is very blue. It's like she, like, froze over already. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Bernadette, sorry, don't don't open a door. I mean, that that is a very easy uh, horror movie thing, but uh, I I, know, I noticed it right away because she got a, she got a, in my opinion, one of the worst. Yep. I think Dr. Burke got it pretty bad. Like that so when people watch that scene that he came from behind with the hook. Oh, where yeah. Bernadette got it from the front. Yeah. And uh He ripped him a uh, taint to teeth, I think. That was <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. All right, let's go to the next segment. All right, what would you do, Eric? Now it could be at a scene, it could be in the movie, it could be just move out of Chicago and go somewhere else, transfer colleges and don't interview with Helen. I don't know. What what would you do? Yeah, no, I, I thought like they did the right thing. Like they really wanted their thesis to mean something. They wanted to do something that had never been done before. They wanted to really nail it. They wanted to go and get as much information as they could. So I feel like they didn't make any bad decisions there. I mean, going to the projects, you know, like you know, maybe wasn't the smartest thing. I'm not going to say like I necessarily wouldn't do that if I, if I was in the same boat as them. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of things I think that I would do tremendously different except for the first time that I woke up in the pool of blood and I'm there. I, I don't know that I would um, console Anne-Marie um, especially if she's saying that you, she thinks that All I right. did it. Yeah. So Eric, I may you wake up in a pool of blood with a meat cleaver, you're, and you're just like, I don't know where I am right now. But I'm out. <laughs> I'm a, you would just book it and be like, get me the hell out of here. I book I don't it, know what and uh, you know, like I'd cross my fingers that they, like they didn't. Is do this the- my blood? No, it ain't my blood. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, and like, and the funny thing was, is like in the movie, even Helen says it is that like two crazy murders got no publicity that happened at Cabrini Green um, and as soon as this white woman gets assaulted all of a sudden it's like front page news and so like I'd cross my fingers that they would just assume that it was another you know like crime that happens every day at Cabrini Green and they would never find me yeah no I I agree that was uh, that makes sense you wake up in a pool of blood get, get the hell out of there <laughs> And again, my my mine goes super easy. Sorry for all you listeners, but you know what? You know what I'm not doing? Saying Candyman five times. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's let's start right there. Um, yeah, just, I'm just going to avoid mirrors and saying Candyman five times. I, yeah, you know, and gonna... still to this day, I don't. So it, it still stayed with me, and uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna get me to do it. <laughs> no, I, that's that's way smarter than what I thought <laughs> <laughs> that would have kicked it all off <laughs> so alright uh, this, this is uh, our next fun segment uh, and, it, and it pretty much happens in the movie uh, you know they ain't never gonna be right um, which uh, Helen could be the poster child of this I mean we might as well just call this the Helen Award I mean this is she she just was getting stuck in these situations and sent to the psychic ward and they thought she was nuts and I'm like well she ain't never gonna be right because she thinks she's seeing Candyman yep. and nobody else can like you're you're a lunatic so uh, I guess I just went with Helen I mean yeah 
That, there's not a lot of other options. What about really. uh, what's that girl's name? Stacy, the student. Stacy. Well, yeah, she's also. She she, she ain't never gonna by be the right. end. Yeah, she's not gonna be right. So what happens with Stacy? Right. So she moves in with Trevor. Trevor. Uh, after Helen's committed. Oh, she went to jail first, then was committed the second time. Yeah, so Trevor, within a month, is like, okay, first yeah, of all, she's been sedated it. for a month, and she's we're never getting out. We're you're, you're coming to live with me, and we're going to paint our walls pink. Yeah, Pepto-Bismol pink. That yeah. was the whole, like, the whole space was pink. So here she Ooh. is painting, and Helen walks in, and this girl just sees Helen and just like, oh, shit. And she's probably scared for her life. She's like this psychotic person's in the house who's already killed people, according to her, according to Stacy. Uh, Caesar, she, she's never right then at that moment. Well, then, and, Helen, and Helen's not like, hey, how's it going? She's like, get out of my house. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, so Stacy's already like, oh my goodness. So you're infidelity, you're the mistress, moving into somebody else's home. Painting her walls. Painting her walls. She comes in, freaks you out. Then Helen, at the end, dies. Stacy, what the hell? You went to the funeral? Like, what What gall do you have? Like, Jesus Christ. And, and so she goes to the funeral. She goes back to the house with Trevor, or the apartment, starts cooking dinner, and then Trevor gets murdered in and, the bathroom so think about what her legacy is now look <laughs> she's she's 20 years old and fucked she's inherited this beautiful condo that's all pink though that's, that's, i'm <laughs> sure that's she? i don't I'm know go ahead and assume. <laughs> what i what maybe this goes back to the uh the dumb moments but when she's making dinner for trevor and she's asking him to help with the salad what the fuck is she making? She's like cutting up like a raw, what looks like a raw, like thin flank steak. She's slicing it up and throwing it on top of the salad. <laughs> I'm she's like, 20. She doesn't know what the hell she's, she's doing. She's like, I'm making a tartare or something. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're, uh, looking at that scene, it's, it's all wrong. I, I was, I, I was watching it around dinner time. So I'm like, Ooh, what do I want to have? What are they having? It's funny how like, you paid attention to the steak where all I could see that she was wearing a bra and her nipples were just like <laughs> rockets. <laughs> so for all you, for all you listeners, uh, that, that scene, I mean, you saw the steak. I'm looking, I'm looking somewhere else. Uh, no bra 20 year old with rockets in her, in her chest. <laughs> so sorry, sorry. I, I digress, but now, now, now it's back in your head. So do you remember that? Or no. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, there was there. Um, we went we went slightly more towards the horror genre from our last uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, there was quite a few um, quite a few titties in this movie. Yeah, I was gonna yeah say we, there, there's there's actually some uh, nudity in this one. So you know, uh, we'll, we'll put it out there for you guys. So now now now, if you're gonna rewatch it. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't you like something to look forward we to. We didn't it. like Mr. Skin it and give me the time no, or anything. No, so you no, have to no watch clue. the whole movie, but <laughs> no clue. It just popped up, and I'm like, oh, oh horror movie. <laughs> you know, like yep. gotta show a little boob, We're a little back. boob at some time. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get to the alternate ending because this could be fun. What do you think? What do, do you want Helen to live? Yeah, I mean, to me, like Helen lives. And they they no longer are going to um, pin this first degree murder on her, even if you don't consider what happened with Bernadette. So she saves the baby. She saves the baby. So and she's now a hero because that's kind of what happens. Yeah, she dies. Cabrini Green community comes to comes her together. grave because they realize that she 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 gave her life she, to save this baby. She wasn't trying to harm it. She wasn't trying to kidnap it. She, and maybe there was an element that uh, she drew, I mean, the hook, that was a symbol that she helped get rid of Candyman yeah, in, this, so, in this community, so as well as fi- saving the baby. So but break, she perished in, in, in doing so. Yeah, and so to break down the scene a little bit, they've got this tremendous pile of crap in the courtyard of Cabrini Green yeah. that they're going to burn as part of a party they're going to have. Sure, yeah. And so Candyman... Moves the baby inside this pile because he wants Helen to go in and try to save it because he wants Helen and him to be immortal. He wants them to live as folklore legends. He 
wants their name, so he wants to die together so they can be together forever. Because he's sort of attributing his lost love of this woman that he made pregnant before he was, you know, he was killed. Um, he's sort of like portraying that woman as Helen. And so he wants Helen to like yeah, die with him. 100%. That and is so, definitely the underlying theme of Candyman's desire for Helen. Yep. So let's not get this straight. Candyman gets summoned, he kills you. Yes. But he did not kill Helen. And then they stole a baby, which would have been his baby. Yeah. He he needed Helen because what he was pissed off about is that Helen sort of like when she helped nab this criminal that was killing people pretending to be Candyman, she said Candyman's not real. So then it took away the fear of Candyman and Cabrini Green because it was a real person. So now he needed her to help bring, he needed to bring fear back to the community. So he was helping by doing these things like kidnapping the baby and, and doing other things. And so he needed Helen to help him with that. So that was, that was part of why he kept her around as well, because she made them not believe and he needed her to help them to to believe again. And and some of these murals where Candyman was, he painted them, he painted them and there was a striking resemblance and and to your, cause I I didn't pick up on that other than this recent rewatch. Yeah. Like I, I paid a lot more attention that Holy crap. Helen is a symbol of the women of the woman. He got pregnant in 1890. Yeah. And he's saying like, and the baby that was stolen, Anne Marie's baby was supposed to be their Their baby. baby. And he wanted to live immortally. And that's why he kept saying like, I pretty much, I desire you. I want, you know, you know, it's always been you. It's always been you. He he uses uh, waxes poetic to her left and right. And that's where I really come out and say how, how debonair he was. Yep. And, uh, anyway, so, so she she grabs a hook when she hears the baby crying and she goes to try to find the baby inside this pile of rubble. Jake looks out the window, he sees a hook hang sticking out of of the pile of rubble. Well, and, that was dumb. And he yeah, so he <laughs> he thinks this is Candyman, yep. so he like he starts the mob. Yeah, again, Candyman's the out there, everyone yeah, goes out there, they bring the gasoline, they're getting ready to torch this baby up. Yep. And so Candyman's in there. Um but you see Helen, she's bringing the baby out. She's trying, and then Candyman holds her back. So he's holding her back from leaving, um, and she gets away after she stabs him with a uh, fiery piece of uh, shrapnel into his into his chest, and she starts running away. And Candyman starts, like, super shreddering his way through the rubble. It's, like, breaking things down. Things are collapsing. Lands on Helen. She She's on fire. She pulls herself out, and... Oh my god, the wig scene was terrible. So when she gets out and her wig's on fire, she's got like a fucking like Rod Flanders wig on. It's like <laughs> yeah. she's about to star in a broadcast of Annie or something, and she comes out, that thing's on fire, but they all like kind of damper out, but she's like third degree burn. She's like oh, yeah. rough. She doesn't make it. Yeah. She's she doesn't make it. Yeah, exactly. And Which um, I thought she did. You know, there was a moment where I went, Oh, she saved the baby, and now we're gonna see the next scene is gonna be a month later, like they've been doing the third time, uh, that she's in the hospital getting healed. But Yeah. Nope. So I'm saying Helen lives. She's yeah. she, the hair's gone, that Rod Flanders is you know, that that's gone, but she she lives and and I don't I don't necessarily know what I think like either she becomes famous, she nails her thesis and she she sort of goes on and um now um it kind of sets up a chance for like how do they bring Candyman back? Like what do they do? Um and how does she stay the sort of final girl? You know, like what is what happens in this um or you know, do they does she live and they decide that they are going to She's gonna do something for Cabrini Green. She's gonna like try to revitalize it. She's gonna do whatever, you know. Like, um, doesn't lead to like a good horror story by any means, but like, just to think of like what the typical movie would do that she would live. Yeah, we don't know what happens, but she's badly burned, but she lives. You know, and I'm gonna save everyone some time. I I I, I agree. I mean, there's really no other alternate ending that I would have came up with other than Helen lives because you get you you invest in this character. You want her to be the survivor of you know because that's what happens in these movies. 
she is powerful she is strong she you know she's all these things uh and then when she dies i I just was i was pretty upset i guess the only other thing i would say is you know after she gives trevor the business she lives on she she goes over to stacy and and gives her the business and then we we get to see that happen yep and see the smile on her face to say oh you, you you you're you're fucking my husband well yep gonna fuck you up so i guess it's just a let's just keep going with the movie and get one more death in here <laughs> so exactly. i guess that's what i'll say there all right our last our last segment here um is rate the the soundtrack but there wasn't was there even a music in this thing other than a score there were two different bits of music that they played great and um i have to okay so you have that kind of dark castle music and then yeah. there's sort of like again this like whimsical like um um sort of like mystery thing that happens so it comes on a couple times number one when she's in the library scrolling through okay. to try to find the story it's like this it takes on a little bit different kind of thing it's, it's similar you could tell it's written by the same person makes sense of the movie but it's a little bit different it's a little bit more like um you know, detective-ish. Yeah, detective-y. Like, 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 you're finding something out. Like, <laughs> foot, like, like sneaky footsteps or something. <laughs> yeah. and it, boop, you know, um, it kind of has that vibe to it. So I'm like, that's really the only thing that happens in the movie. But here's what I found interesting is that, so Philip Glass, who was signed on to compose the score for Candyman, yep. he envisioned the film being like this totally different thing. It was supposed to be more of this artsy flick based on what he had read from Clive Barker's um original um story and so he does artful version of the forbidden ended up being what he considered a low budget slasher and so he was disappointed and he felt like he was manipulated into making this score and so like it's very interesting that this score i feel like fucking nails them it nails it's like it's perfect for the movie like it does the right things in a way that like when they when they go to the shots of Cabrini Green and they go back to this castle music, like it it brings you into like this dark haunted house. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the vibe you get from it. And so like I think these two small bits of music that they have throughout the movie in in random scenes, like it just fits so well with the landscape, with everything they're doing in the shots. And like I don't know if he tried to write for this, if if he knew it was going to be like if he saw the movie and then tried to write the music for it, if it would have been completely different. So. This is a new segment, uh, a new show for us. This is only episode two. Uh, I always thought this would be a fun, you're, you're really into music. Now, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, it, if we're going on a scale of one to ten, I, I'm imagining if you're talking score or whatever, John Carpenter's ten, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So where does Philip? I like the I like it a lot. Um, I think it it fits really well. It you just could, fits. you could give this a eight or an eight. Yeah, it's up there. It's it's definitely like it's definitely in the eight the eight range. I think as a soundtrack, I think I would have liked oddly enough, I would have liked them to do something that was like, um, like a darker hip hop kind of thing somewhere when they were oh, going. You I hit it like, on the head. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Wh- where was the boombox walking around Cabrini Green? And yeah, it needed something because it, it, it's like so, 1992 it's, rap. I mean, no, that that you kind of missed something there. Yeah, it's it's typical to the genre and the scenery, like that you would have something like that in there. And like I felt like we needed something like that. I agree. That's in there, good. and also it was a budgetary thing or something. But I feel like. Sure. It would have been cool just to see something like that in there. Yeah, like a local rap group from Chicago or whatever. I'm I'm sure it could have could have happened. So no, hundred percent. So let's back up because I don't remember us rating um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now we 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 said they'd had great scores, great music, and also some some actual songs that kind of tied into the yeah. movie really well. So it was done. Very methodically. Yeah. Now, where where, do you, where does that land? More in the middle of the pack? I think I think we gave it a good rating because it was like the absence of music for the important scenes, like gave it such a good dynamic. Because usually, like, the scenes they have in horror tend to be like music guiding what's happening, and then there's like the sound of the chase or there's sound of the the knife swings. But like the fact that you have a chainsaw going. Yeah. Like, you can't really do a lot of music behind that. Well, and to be honest with you, I think what we're going to see through these 
episode, you know, these shows that we do together, Eric, is that some of the originals, the old ones, the Halloweens, the John Carpenters, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, the ones from the 70s and 80s, the music wasn't such a pre- prevalent element. Yep. Uh, but it served a purpose and a good purpose. But when you go- do a remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they overloaded oh, with way too much. genre music yep. and it takes away and, and we hope to get into some of that as well during this segment and that's why i like i just take a deep dive for the music for a second because yeah. i don't think anyone's really paying attention and that's why we're here <laughs> like, like pay attention to it it's, it could be really key in elements uh texas chase on massacre the lyrics if you're really paying attention we did because that's yeah. kind of what we're here to do but uh, I, it, love, I love both options. I mean, really, like if you're gonna lead with like you know pop music and the songs all tie into a scene and it all works well and like it kind of like pumps you up during a scene or something. Like there's a chase scene or something and you've got like you know like I think of like the the can't hardly wait theory when it's like they've got this uh, this crazy scene where the cops come and they start playing Blink 182's Damn It and it just like gets yeah. the energy up and it kind of works with the scene like cool like you couldn't yeah. have scored that you know what i mean like you couldn't have done some like you know uh curb your enthusiasm kind of music over that and made it no. like really fit so i think like in the right modes it can really work but i agree like in horror when they start to do too much like new metal and like you know it's like i i want i want more dark spooky stuff in there i don't want a lot of lyrics i want it to like be really more about like how the music is driving and it's dark and it's ominous and it's big and it's and, and I'm obviously I don't think we're gonna do this next week but I'm hinting to this in, in later segments Scream really does an interesting job of both yeah creating these songs that are scene specific with lyrics yep. that are actually pop pop yeah. music yep. and also putting a lot of that Wes Craven style of no, I want this just to be a score. Yeah, they American point. pied it. You know, like yeah. there there's scenes where it's like the gang together, they're at a party, they're sitting alone, um, contemplating their lives and these like songs are playing that are yeah. dark, they're they're sad, they're whatever, and it makes sense. But then during the actual, you know, kill scenes and stuff, it's like very simple, like it's ambient noise or it's some yeah. you know, it's not like they're playing evanescence over like a kill scene or something. Yeah. I mean, if they wanted to, I uh, sure go ahead. <laughs> hey, d- let's not knock. Ev- ev- what, what was the band? Evanescence. <laughs> Evanescence. Yeah. I haven't had to say that band title in like ten years. But uh, anyway, uh, no. Hey, let's. That's. I think we wrapped it up. Is there any other thing you want to throw out there? I think we hit on a lot. We got the folklore. We got the yep. history. We even had it tied into Helen being a representation of, and I, I thought that was a key point. I called my brother today and I, I was explaining it to him. He's like, "Oh, I, yeah, I guess I have to rewatch that." You know, yep. like I, I, I didn't know that was there, or I don't I don't pay attention. So I, I pay attention to it. It's yeah, Helen is 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 a direct correlation to the woman that he loved. Yep, which we don't know her name. Daniel. Just, Daniel. Well, we at least we know, know Dan. At least we know Daniel's name. Now, Daniel. So. Yeah. Daniel is Candyman's real name from 1890. But we don't know the virginal woman that he. No. Made no longer virginal, and and I I I did go on the IMBD of uh, Clive Barker. Mm-hmm. Candyman is getting remade, yeah, this year. Jordan Peele, by Jordan Peele, which is I don't know. We'll we'll again address that later. But Jordan Peele is one of the most is talk about taking the cultural genre of horror horror movies and making it its own in the urban community jordan peele is a representation of that and with get out killed it us yep unbelievable and we're gonna get to those trust me i'm I'm so excited for them to be redoing Candyman, and i wouldn't have picked anyone else i think having seen his work i think he's the perfect choice for it and i'm i'm very excited it's too bad cabrini green's gone yep um i think he would have definitely gone there and done the same thing um, but I am very interested to see what, you know, what he does with the movie. Yeah. So let's end that here. I know we, we've kind of bent everyone's ears a little bit, but, uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Candyman, it, it, uh, two thumbs up. Great movie. Cinematography. Story's great. 
urban legend, folklore. You got blood. You got, I mean, it, it's just one of those movies that uh, it's got some jump scares in it. It kind of fits the whole bill. And uh, so I hi- highly recommend if you haven't seen it already. I mean, obviously, you, you kind of got everything in this in this podcast, but uh, still worth it for, a watch. Go yeah. see it for yourself. So, um, Eric, anything else you want to leave leave everyone with? Yeah. So um, we, follow us on Instagram um, at Real Thrills Podcast. Um, you can fo- find us on Spotify. We're on. Um, I actually don't know what our link is on Spotify. You can find it on our uh, <laughs> on our Instagram. I think it's, yeah, the Real Thrills. You can search, yeah. You can search podcast, real podcast, and then it pops up. It it'll pops up it'll right pop away. right up. Um, Look for the three D glasses. Yeah, that's, that's our that's, that's our logo. Key. That's our so. temporary logo until we can no, figure out how to make a good one. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. All right, yeah, that's that's it for me. Um, I yeah, thanks everyone for listening, and we hope to uh, be back next week with another banger, and we'll announce that on the gram yep. once we decide what we're gonna go with. Um, comment. Yeah, if there's if there's a, sh- a movie you guys, uh, you know, please, this is this is an open forum, uh, and we're always op- open up for a third for third party here. So Definitely. if you're local and you want to come join us, and uh, we're just sitting in uh, Eric's basement, and uh, that'd be great. You know, three people at one. You know, we could we could go through this whole segment no problem. So, but uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll we'll see you guys next week. Good night. Peace out. <laughs>